Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhassa Buddhang tamang sankhang namasami We um, uh, regularly dedicate pretty much every day uh, the the meal offering time, uh, the Anamodana, uh, almost every single day there are requests for us to dedicate blessings for people. Uh, here this evening also dedicating the chanting for someone who's uh, seriously ill. Uh, sometimes uh, the request for blessings at somebody's birthday or somebody's off to, to college or, uh, or such like. Um, but um, the majority is people who are seriously ill, um, people who have passed away. And uh, that um, gesture of, say, uh, dedicating blessings uh, and uh, bringing forth a heart of, of goodwill is a, uh, uh, very much a, um, not just a part of a, a tradition, but a part of our practice, uh, that of, say, inclining towards loving-kindness, the development of, of metta, which is you know, one of the, the, uh, the four sublime abidings, the, uh, the, the sublime or divine states of mind, the Brahma-viharas. So I feel it's good to, to reflect on, on that, lo- uh, loving-kindness and the importance of that uh, and, and all of the, the sublime abidings in, in our lives and you know, we, we don't just have these as sort of customs as this is what you're supposed to do in a Buddhist monastery or a community or this is just a, a, a kind of cultural um, habit or, or um, something that is, is uh, followed as an obligation. But rather it's, it's part of a whole tone of our, our lives, strongly encouraged uh, by the Buddha in, uh, in so many aspects of his teaching. Uh, I appreciate that uh, in most of the most of the people here will be very familiar with things like uh, the the four sublime abidings. And you use this kind of language that uh, most people say, "Oh yes, I know what that is: loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, equanimity." Uh, yeah, I've read about them. <laughs> well, this is familiar territory for us as monastics or long-term Buddhist practitioners. Other people who are new to the practice, new to Buddhist languaging of things, this might be. Uh, um, a bit uh, novel or, or, or sort of new, but uh, these are, are central principles in in our practice. So I thought it might be uh, yeah, helpful, useful to to explore to, uh, and to say spell out some of the the aspects of, of this um, uh, area of our uh, spiritual life, spiritual training, and, and why the Buddha put so much store uh, in this, or how, why he made it uh, so important. Well, uh, loving-kindness, uh, what we made, uh, metta, um, the, um, uh, is 
say, uh, repeated, uh, addressed, uh, talked about over and over and over again as uh, a sort of fundamental attitude uh, that is uh, encouraged, the sort of way you approach other, other beings, uh, the way you approach your own body, your own life, your own, your own mind, your own heart, your own spiritual practice. The, um, uh, one of the things that uh, is uh, say an issue or a, an aspect of uh, say thinking about these areas or exploring these areas is that it's tricky to find a perfect translation or, or a really accurate way of rendering things um, in, in English that matches the, the, the principle that is embodied there in the, the Pali original. Uh, many years ago, um, uh, when uh, Lumpur Sumato first started coming to, to teach here in the, in the UK in the 1970s, uh, you know, he would use the, the, the uh, loving kindness or, or you know, universal love uh, as a way of translating meta, and he found that, um, that uh, it was something that, that turned, <laughs> turned people off somewhat. That it was not something that people sort of could, could relate to very much or, or, or found irritating or off-putting because using the word love, he found, uh, as he asked people, you know, you know, when they say, I really like your teaching, uh, uh, Ajahn Sumedha, but, you know, but uh, you know, all this stuff about metta, you know, this loving kindness, it's really smarmy. It's really a bit too, um, you know, a bit too sort of um, um, sentimental. Yeah, sugary and sweet. And he realized, well, actually, when we talk about love, uh, we hear it in English as, uh, as something that's the same as liking. And he realized that's, that's a mistake that we're making because you can love something completely and not like it at all. <laughs> you can have loving kindness for something which is not likable. And so he uh, uh, quite deliberately started talking about uh, 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 loving kindness as, or, or talk, excuse me, talking about metta as not dwelling in aversion, uh, and that uh, uh, he said, and that made a lot more sense to people. So uh, uh, I feel that um, that uh, uh, you know both of those aspects, the kind of uh, uh, of metta of, uh, of an outgoing well wishing uh, towards other beings as well as a, uh, a receptive quality. These are uh, two very important and significant and, some, and kind of distinct aspects of loving-kindness. Um, and so that, uh, uh, I think, first of all, to understand that we, um, when, we ha when we're cultivating metta, we are, uh, to repeat Lumpur Sumedho's <laughs> uh, comments that he's made hundreds of times, we're not trying to make ourselves like the unlikable. You know, he would say if there's if there's a a a, a lot of noise coming from the neighbours uh, that is making it difficult to concentrate in your meditation, or the, the person in the next room, you, it's not likable. But you can find a place in your heart where there is non-contention against it, where the, the the mind is not moving towards hate. So you can be open to, you can be accepting to that which uh, is not likable but you don't have to pile hate upon it. Uh, so that um, the, uh, the way I like to talk about this is that metta has both a receptive quality, an openness of heart, so I like to use the term uh, a radical acceptance with, that, uh, uh, with respect to, to metta in that way, uh, 
But it also it does have that outgoing quality, that well-wishing. So when we dedicate the chanting and, and say bring forth someone's name or their face or their memory, and, and there is a, a definite outgoing quality, a, a, an expressive quality, a, 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 a kind of generating in the heart a, an intention towards goodwill. So uh, I feel both is good in uh, considering and contemplating what loving kindness is, that it uh, uh, embodies both those both of those aspects. And I like to compare it to the breath that we have. The, the, the in-breath is the receptive. You're breathing in the oxygen that, that the body needs to, to uh, keep its... Uh, keep itself alive, to keep it, the vitality going. But then there's also the out-breath, there's the expression, there's the, the literally, express means to, 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 to press out or to, to release. Uh, and so that the, uh, the practice of metta uh, involves both that uh, expressive and, and receptive quality. Well, one of the, the things that you find in in, in Buddha Dhamma, in many of the Buddha's teachings, he, uh, as people are also probably very well aware, uh, the Buddha made many, many lists, lists of qualities. Um, so the, these four sublime abidings, the, uh, the divine abidings, uh, metta karuna mudita upeka, loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, uh, serenity, equanimity, um, uh, uh, it's not always the case, it's not universal, but as a rule of thumb, they tend to go from the most coarse or tangible or personal to the more refined or, or non-personal. So metta, loving-kindness, uh, you know, may all beings be, may, you know, may I be, may I abide in well-being, and may all, uh, may everyone abide in well-being. That's a, you know, kind of tangible and personal, personal uh, and sort of relatable. And at the, the more refined end, you have upeka, equanimity or serenity, and uh, you know, the reflections on that, the development of equanimity around uh, considering and, and looking at the uh, cause and effect is, is much more, say, um, uh, say detached or non-personal. Similarly, with the uh, the 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 list of the uh, uh, the, uh, the the five aggregates, the, the five aspects of, of body and mind. Uh, he starts off with rupa, material form, uh, the body, uh, uh, the, the first one, and then the um, the last one on the list is is sense consciousness, vinyana. Or you have with the um, uh, the four foundations of mindfulness. Not to fill the evening with with lists, lists and you know, lists of lists, but uh, say the. Uh, Four foundations of mindfulness. It starts off with mindfulness of the body and it ends off with mindfulness of, of dhammas or, or mindfulness, seeing things in terms of, of dhamma. So they generally start off with the most coarse or tangible or personal and then the other end of, of the list is the most sort of refined or, or, um, or non-personal. Or, sim- or also with the ten parameters, it starts off with the ten spiritual perfections. starts off with dana, generosity, at the, at the very beginning, and then upeka, equanimity, serenity, is the, the tenth on the, on the list. So with, the, with these four sublime states, loving-kindness, compassion, uh, sympathetic joy, joy at the good fortune of others, and, um, and uh, serenity, equanimity, upeka, you have a similar kind of spectrum going from the, the most sort of personal or tangible um, to the, uh, the most uh, refined, I would say. Again, I'm making these these comments. I'm not trying to say you know this is the one and only way these things should be understood or or, 
or reflected upon, or this is the sort of definitive way of uh, relating to these, but these are just reflections offered for consideration and, and how I've tended to see things and, and it uh, seems to be a practical and realistic understanding of, of what the Buddha was saying and how he was putting it together. So, uh, so metta, uh, yeah, and, oft, uh, and just as, uh, again, anyone who's been around Buddhist monasteries, teachings, retreats, uh, uh, for any amount of time will tend to be aware that, that of the, these four uh, qualities, uh, these four aspects of, of the divine abidings or these, you know, these bright, wholesome, radiant states of, of mind, uh, Many, many of us have done whole retreats on loving kindness, or uh, at least having a you know, a day of loving kindness teachings, or particular talks on loving kindness. But it's much rarer to have a talk about, or, or a whole retreat on compassion, or upon. I never even heard of a of a, a retreat on mudita, <laughs> you know, uh, 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 and or uh, a whole sort of a whole retreat or yeah, uh, guided meditations on, on equanimity. They're, they're much rarer. So. Uh, loving kindness is much more personal, much more tangible, much more relatable for for most people, and that's and like mindfulness of the body. It's the most sort of obvious, tangible. It's kind of the the best, most practical uh, place to start. It's a, a helpful entry point. So, with um, with respect to to loving kindness, um, then it's a, a conscious. Uh, Generation of of well wishing toward uh, as uh, we do in the sort of the the chants that we have in the chanting book, the sort of classical standard uh, reflections for that. You know, may I abide in well being. You know, uh, uh, homi. May I be well. May I be happy. And then that goes on to may all beings be happy. sukita May all beings be happy. So first of all, generating loving kindness towards this being, and then towards all beings. So consciously inclining the mind towards the, a sense of of well wishing and a, you know, a positive, um, uh, accepting, a tolerant attitude, a respectful attitude. Um, uh, an accepting attitude toward, towards all beings, towards this being, and, to, you know, and towards you know, states of mind. But uh, in particular, to, towards uh, other beings as a sort of skillful ground of, okay, as a, a st- and starting from a, 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 a the kind of, um, again, from a personal perspective, um, which many of the classical reflections do, like, you know, I am of the nature to age, yeah, it starts off with an I am. It's like starting from the, the basis of, yes, we, we, we tend to attach to self-view. I'm a person, this is my name, this is who I am. I'm a woman, I'm a man, I, I live here. Uh, I'm this so many um, you know, years old and, uh, and this is my name and so on. We tend to start off from that kind of uh, assumptions of individuality, self-view. And so many of these reflections begin in the same way. So, ahang sukito homi, may I be happy, ahang, I am, may, may I be happy, uh, as, and sukita uh, may all beings be happy. So it starts off from a, a kind of a personal um, and tangible place. And, uh, and so it's establishing that, that ground or intention of, uh, of acceptance, tolerance, receptivity, uh, and again, to underscore that, we, to have loving kindness for all beings, having loving kindness for all aspects of yourself, doesn't mean that every we're trying to make ourselves like 
every aspect of our own being or every aspect of other beings. You know, I, I might not like my anxiety or, or it's, uh, my, my feelings of, of jealousy or ambition or irritation. They're not likable, but they might arise. <laughs> they, they come into being, they, they take shape, they do their thing. Um, they, are, they might be at, either attitudes that are unwelcome or unwholesome, but you know, here they are, or like physical pain, injuries and illnesses. Uh, we don't ask for them, we don't like them, but, but here they are. You know, they, they arise, this is what's part of our human life, our, our, our living experience. And so that uh, as a, a universal attitude, uh, an attitude that is, is beneficial uh, towards every single being, you know, the starting point that the Buddha uh, so encourages us, okay, <laughs> to have that, that sense of, uh, of well-wishing and a, a radical acceptance uh, for for all beings, all states of mind, you know, this being uh, all other beings. Then, uh, as you go along the the the, the spectrum, uh, you know, the next one along, um, uh, karuna, uh, loving kindness. So, so metta is about letting go of our habits of irritation or aversion or judgment or blaming ourselves or others and. The, the mind that sort of criticizes and, and complains, a sort of letting go of, uh, or an intention to, to let go, a, a conscious inclination to, to not follow the habits of, of, of uh, divisiveness or complaining or irritation or aversion to our aches, our pains, our shortcomings or the, the, um, the, 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 the noises and, and sights and sounds and, and people or beings uh, around us. Here in, uh, in the UK, we don't have a lot of, um, uh, of insect life uh, say, um, oppressing our lives. If uh, any of you who've lived in a forest monastery in Southeast Asia, <laughs> that our body is a food source that uh, yeah, mosquitoes and, and many other, uh, other beings like to feed on on a regular basis so that um, it's often not the other monks in the monastery that you have most aversion for but the, the mosquitoes are you know, eating you every, every night yeah, during the, the, the meditation and through the, through the day in, the, uh, in your kuti. So the, um, <clears throat> the, the, the conscious so working against those habits or the tendency towards irritation, aversion or blaming like uh, if only there weren't these mosquitoes then I would be happy. Uh, or like you know, Lumpur Samedi would often talk about his early experience in, in Thailand, uh, that he would find his mind saying things, if God really loved humanity, he would never have created mosquitoes. You know, these kind of things. That, uh, this kind of thought that can easily arise in, in your mind. And you know, I know here in the UK we have uh, our own things that are easy to, uh, to, to feel averse to. Uh, the... Um, uh, it can be the, you know the weather or the uh, uh, the lockdown, <laughs> the you know, different circumstances, uh, uh, different things. Uh, the the way the routines are worked out for the washing up, uh, uh, whatever it might be, it's easy for the mind to move towards reasonable complaint, irritation, you know, upset, and blaming. So the intention towards loving kindness is saying, well, yes, even though me being on the rotor again <laughs> or me not being able to travel again is irritating, it's painful, there's a feeling of frustration, I don't have to dwell in aversion to it. Here it is, it's like this, this is the way it is in this moment. So consciously inclining from that. With compassion, 
it's a uh, uh, there's a conscious letting go of concern about uh, your your own uh, suffering, your own difficulty, your own painfulness. Uh, in in in, uh, in many respects, and paying attention and cult consciously cultivating an empathy for the suffering of other beings. So, in the classical chanting that we do, the verses that are repeated over and over in the suttas, uh, it's that may uh, may all beings be free from all suffering. Um, is uh, you know, the the the, um, the kind of most one of the most common ways it's expressed. So it's. That, that inclination to compassion. Okay, there's the suffering being felt here, but you know, look at the the dukkha, the difficulty that other beings experience. You know how sorrowful, how uh, how sad, you know, and what what pain other beings feel. So it's a conscious, as a intention to steer uh, away from kind of a focusing on the. Uh, on sort of getting away from your own dukkha and not experiencing dukkha in this being, but say a, a, a conscious uh, appreciation or an, emp an empathizing with uh, the, the the pain and difficulty of others. Again, the word compassion, rather like loving kindness, doesn't quite work in English because compassion um, comes from the the Latin, English word compassion comes from the Latin. Yeah, common passio means, and pas, the passio, the pas in Latin means uh, to suffer. So it means, so the English word compassion literally means to suffer with. But karuna is a great brightness. It's not a state of pain. Um, and so that uh, to, to be suffering yourself on account of the suffering of others is like a distorted compassion or, or is a, um, uh, a, a, a kind of misunderstanding or a misholding. Uh, of of karuna, and that uh, the word empathy is more 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 accurate, slightly somewhat closer. I've been hunting for years for the perfect English uh, English word to encompass that, but I uh, haven't quite uh, managed to track anything down as yet. Uh, but uh, it's a, a a wholehearted appreciation of the pain and sorrow, difficulty uh, of others but yet not suffering on account of that. Um, in the Northern Buddhist tradition, there's the, the Bodhisattva uh, called Avalokiteshvara, uh, in Chinese, Guan uh, Yin Pusa. Uh, forgive my bad pronunciation. <laughs> the, uh, in the Tibetan, Chenrezig, uh, but Sanskrit is Avalokiteshvara. And the translation of the name of that Bodhisattva, of, which represents as an, the embodiment of compassion, a canon in Japanese. Again, forgive my bad pronunciation. <laughs> uh, it means that the one who listens to the sounds of the world, uh, so that uh, the, the 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 so that quality of receptivity is uh, say uh, again um, pointed to or or part of that quality of compassion, and that then. Uh, on the basis of that receptivity, uh, that, that, that listening, that receptivity to the, the cries of the world, then there's uh, uh, the uh, uh, the responsivity, the action of helping. The, in some in some of the classical imagery, you have a thousand. You know, uh, the uh, Avalokiteshvara has a thousand hands with uh, with an eye in the middle of each hand, and so it's a thousand eyes, a thousand hands that are ready to. And you reach out and help in various sort of uh, 
so benign or, 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 or fierce or, or thoughtful, uh, effective, uh, effective ways to to respond to other beings. But it's not a state of suffering. So uh, it's uh, helpful to then consider that this is like a the development of karuna is an appreciation of the suffering of others, but not uh, not say um, ta- uh, making it into a state of suffering. In your, uh, within your own heart, which is tricky, challenging to do. Uh, and I grew up, uh, I was a very tearful child. Um, uh, I've mentioned it a few times. <laughs> I did a lot of crying <laughs> uh, from, from uh, the age of, uh, well, from birth probably, uh, up to um, yeah, at least sort of 12, 11 or 12 years old. I was, I was a very tearful child and... Uh, uh, and I, when, when I came across other other beings, other people that, that were suffering, then it, I tended to make it my responsibility that uh, if I could only find the right thing to do, or if only I could try harder, then this uh, this person, this being, wouldn't be suffering. And because I, I haven't, I can't do enough, or I can't say enough, or I can't do the right thing, they're continuing to suffer. So therefore, their suffering is my fault. So, not that wasn't the only reason I was crying, but uh, often. That was um, I was very very easily upset and, and moved to tears. I wasn't allowed to watch the film Bambi, <laughs> and there was a, a um, uh, there was another there was a, a record a single that was called I think A Little Dog Cried, and I wasn't allowed to listen to that either, like because the, the, I would have been inconsolable for days or weeks. Uh, so um, I was, that was about four or five years old. <laughs> But uh, I didn't see Bambi till I was about 37. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I wasn't avoiding it at that point, but uh, the circumstance. Uh, but when I saw it, I saw it on an aeroplane. I thought, oh, that's why they didn't want me to see it. <laughs> you know, Bambi's mother, the little little fawn, the baby deer's mother, getting shot at the at the, at the beginning of the film. So, so anyway. So then Mudita, so that uh, Mudita then, so the first three, Metta, Karuna, Mudita, are all sort of strongly personal. Mudita then is a conscious inclination to appreciate the happiness, the good fortune of others, and not to dwell upon your own happiness. Like the sort of, because uh, we tend to be glad when things go our way, like, yes, you know, I got the last piece of cake. Yes, there was enough for me, great. Um, or um, you know, you know, yes, I got the the room that I wanted in the vihar, or, or or yes, I I got to get in the car to the on the town trip, <laughs> whatever it might be. You know, yes, it's a sunny day, you know, and uh, and you know, I've got a day I've got a day off, and I can go out. So we tend to uh, on a, uh, when we're attached and see things from a, a worldly level, a personal level, we um, focus on me getting what I want, and that's good. <laughs> So mudita is going against personal gratification and focusing on that of me getting what my what I want is as the absolute good, but uh, looking towards the uh, the others and and uh, consciously inclining towards the appreciation of the happiness of others, and so. Um, uh, uh, you know, uh, in a, and again, I, this is not a categorical statement, but for most, for many people, compassion is a little bit harder to cultivate than loving kindness, and then mudita is a little bit harder to cultivate than than compassion. Yeah, if you if you look if you go to a, a spiritual bookshop, I would imagine if they have you know, the number of books on loving kindness, compassion, sympathetic joy, 
equanimity would be a, a kind of a, a reduce a reducing a, a kind of diminishing number of what would would sell. Uh, I'm prepared to be corrected by any book publishers or booksellers, but uh, uh, I, 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 it looks to be that way. So loving kindness is, is pretty big. Compassion is is pretty big, but not quite as big, and so on. So mudita is a, is a rare commodity. And, it's the, and when I'm giving examples, I say the kind of thing, well, if you're driving a car and you come up to a junction, when your light goes red, you feel happy for the person whose light just turned green. How common is that? Or you're, uh, you're, you're coming into a car park uh, at uh, the airport and then a car in front of you takes the very last space on that, on that floor. You feel happy that, oh my goodness, how nice, that person found a parking space. I'll have to keep driving around for a little while to find one myself, but I'm so happy that this good person managed to find a place to put their car. It's not our first thought. You know, like, I'm not reading anybody's mind. Like, if you think, how did he know that? <laughs> Statistically, it's very, very likely. Um, uh, so uh, uh, mudita is then uh, that, uh, you know, so that you know, if, you, if you think of it as a... As a um, if people can watch, yeah, open your eyes and watch my finger. It's like a what they call a sine wave. So if you start off at the sort of base level, loving kindness is here at the sort of the base level. Then there's a mood, there's mood and difficulty and uh, pain is sort of the karuna is sort of dealing with uh, with feelings on the on the downswing. Then as it goes up to the, the sort of the, the top of the of the sine wave, the happiness and, and success and good fortune. And then it comes down to kind of upeka equanimity, so back on the, the baseline. Again, this is one of the ways I've you know, thought of that sort of these uh, working together with the way uh, the way life is. So mudita is is challenging, but the, the, it's a um, in the the chanting that we do. May all beings not be parted from the good fortune they have attained, and. Uh, and so, it, uh, to me, it's also about counteracting the things we are addicted to, the things that we sort of we get our happiness from, um, in terms of you know sense uh, uh, sense consciousness, like uh, sense pleasures of particular kinds, or you know mental activity, or even uh, concentrated mind states or sort of blissful mind states. Um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be you know a coarse sensual object like sort of. Uh, sounds that we hear or things that we that we, we taste or, or things to look at but rather it can be referring to you know refined mind states that we are sort of um, greedy for or, or possessive of and and get totally focused on so I feel that uh, cultivating mudita is also a, a lot about letting go of that sort of uh, addicted addiction to chasing what what we we like or and where I, and also compassion I would say is letting go of a of an obsession on you know, trying to fix everything or fix everyone or, or feeling it's our personal responsibility to, to, uh, to make suffering go away for, for all beings and taking it very, very personally. Uh, so uh, mudita is, is challenging to, um, to cultivate. Uh, 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 but then uh, maybe upeka is, uh, for many people, it's very, very hard to relate to at all because, again, <laughs> not to complain about English translations, but uh, uh, equanimity has got a, a bit of a flat quality to it. It's easily translatable as indifference. And there are some places in, in the Pali canon also where the, 
the word upeka is is used to mean you know I don't care. It's an indifferent attitude. You know, really, you know, whatever. It's a sort of a a, a bland, not caring. But upeka, uh, as the great brightness, and sort of the most refined of these great brightnesses of the heart, you know, abundant, exalted, immeasurable. It's kind of these are the ways that the the Brahma Viharas are described, uh, abundant, exalted, immeasurable. It's not about indifference, it's not about not caring, um, but it's more about uh, st- a steadiness of heart or a stillness of heart in the midst of agitation or turbulence. So it's, yeah, and I would say this is where it's, it's much less personal. It's not like me having loving kindness for, for you or me having compassion for you or me having sympathetic joy for your, for your happiness. But rather, it's, uh, um, again, it's, I'm not trying to be categorical about it, but reflecting on it, it, it it's, it's much less personal, more to do with the, the general agitation and busyness of, of the world and the things around us or the things sort of... Uh, that that make up our, our our experiential field. So the development of upeka in the um, in the teachings in that again referring to that sort of the classical verses and chants that we do, it's um, it's it, it's a, a very clear change of mood. So you have uh, may I uh, may I abide in well being. May all, may everyone abide in well being is loving kindness metta. May all beings be released from all suffering is karuna. May all beings not be parted from the good fortune they have attained is uh, mudita. But upeka, serenity, is a reflection on cause and effect. It's sort of it's a very clear change of gears. It doesn't mention other beings uh, uh, in, in, in such a, uh, a can, well, it mentions other beings, but not in the same kind of mode or tone, I would say. And the reflection on uh, to develop upeka is all beings are the owners of their karma, uh, related to their karma, abide supported by, by their karma. Whatever karma they shall do, or for good or for ill, of that they will be the heirs. These kind of, um, yeah, if this is done, that happens. If this is done, that happens. So it's a, 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 for the, a, there's a kind of a, a stepping back, uh, I would say. There's a, 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 a kind of, that shift of gear, and I would say what that also represents, even though it's an emotional state, it's like these are a very refined, these four Brahma Viharas are, if you like, sort of um, supremely wholesome emotions uh, and the sort of purified or you know, wholesome, skillful emotional states. The uh, equanimity uh, uh, in this sort of, uh, in its basic level, is is an emotional state, but it's a doorway to insight. It's really a, a doorway to wisdom, I would say. Um, and uh, uh, it's uh, in a in a sense, I, I also feel it's a kind of um, uh, an extension of the, the, that quality of loving kindness about um, a radical acceptance or you know, openness of heart. And similarly with uh, with uh, with karuna and um, and uh, mudita, uh, they're when they're sort of taken to their fulfilment. They are they're supporting this quality of upeka, the sense of, of a, a total openness to the way things are. So whatever the world is doing, whatever is happening in the experiential field, whether it's a, 
a memory or a mood or an, an external event, um, however much the, the, the world is sort of shaking and doing its thing, there's a, a stillness uh, in the midst of that and, and that cultivation of the reflection on cause and effect. Um, whatever, whatever is done, whatever, whatever this being chooses to do, then there's a result. This is the cause, this is the effect, this is the cause. It's the natural order. So it's a, a way of, of, of moving from a personal perspective to a Dhamma-centered perspective. This is, it's all Dhamma Niyamata, functioning according to the law, the laws of nature. This is how nature works. This is the cause, this is the effect. Hooray! Or this is the cause, this is the effect. Ow! <laughs> Oh, this is the cause. This is the effect. Yeah, no comment. No, no, no involvement. Not, not to anything. I need to, to tie the heart to. You know, not or as the, in the wonderful Polish expression, not my circus, not my monkeys. Which is a, it's a theme for a Sunday afternoon talk a couple of years ago. Not my circus, not my monkeys is a, an extremely wise Polish, folk saying that. Uh, is a very accurate representation of this, <laughs> an entry point to Upeka. So, um, uh, and I also feel this is one of the, one of the reasons why in many teaching, uh, Upeka, that serenity is really the final word uh, of, uh, of many of these teachings. It's, as I said, it's the last on the list, it's the tenth of the ten parameters, it's the seventh of the seven factors of enlightenment, it's the fourth of the four Brahma-viharas, you know, it's like the very much the, the final word on these wholesome qualities because it, it's a, a, a genuine gateway to wisdom. And I also feel it's, a, it's very closely related to with a, a, the mindfulness of mind states, what we, what's called the fourth of the four foundations of mindfulness, Dhamma and Upasana, um, which uh, is about um, seeing things in terms of, of Dhamma. The, uh, if you look at the, the teaching on mindfulness of breathing and the Anapanasati Sutta, then it, it looks at the breath in terms of the four foundations of mindfulness, mindfulness of the body, mindfulness of feeling, mindfulness of moods or, or you know, uh, uh, mind states, and then mindfulness uh, uh, in terms of change. Uh, so that the, the, when the four foundations of mindfulness are talked about in terms of the breath, then uh, when the Buddha speaks of that, is the, the fourth one is all about watching the, the changing quality, the, 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 the fluid, vibratory, transient quality of the breath. So it's very, uh, again, it's a change of gear from the first three of the, the four foundations, and it's a conscious movement from, from, uh, from sort of focusing on an object to looking at the, uh, the, uh, the process of experience itself. Again, there are many different opinions and views about uh, interpreting the four foundations of mindfulness, but that's how it, it, uh, it appears in, in my understanding perspective. So that, that um, uh, and that is a, uh, that quality of sort of stepping back from the, the whole field of experience uh, and to, to know it's, it's changing vibratory uh, quality, it's fluid, transient, um, anicca, uh, anicca quality. That's the you know the gateway to insight, the gateway to to the development of wisdom, uh, and uh, the just as I say, we were chanting the Dhamma Chakra Sutta this evening, um, and uh, 
it's very lovely, to, kind of wonderful to be able to chant together in a group uh, after uh, a year or so of not doing that, in these recent weeks to be chanting together. But in that teaching, when the Buddha's given the teaching on the middle way and the Four Noble Truths, and then uh, uh, Kandanya, uh, his, his companion friend, is, uh, with the other, the, the other four companions in the deer park, have been sort of listening to the Buddha's words. It's Kandanya who understands what the Buddha is saying and gets the point. And then it describes the, the, the insight arising uh, in the, the, the mind, in the heart of Kandanya as he, he gets it. <laughs> Uh, and the way it's phrased, that, that that entering of the stream, that that awakening to 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 Dhamma, the, in that teaching and many many other places, yankinchi samudaya dhammang sabantang niroda damanti, whatever is subject to arising is subject to cessation. Uh, that if it arises, it passes away. That's the uh, that also represents this stepping back from the whole field of experiences and. And uh, being able to, to, in a sense, embody that that stillness of of, uh, of knowing uh, at the center, and say, well, all of this stuff, or every single aspect of it, uh, internal, external, coarse or fine, far or near, all of it is anicca. It's all in a state of change. That's that's what it's all doing. It's a it's common characteristic. And then um, that. That's the 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 the, kind of the gateway to wisdom. Though so then, uh, well, there's another particular teaching um, I was reflecting on today that sort of relates uh, to, or, or talks about then if opeka that the, the uh, equanimity is one of the, the these sublime emotional qualities, kind of abundant, exalted, immeasurable. Uh, so a great radiance of the heart, it's still a mind state. It's still a, a mood, if you like. It's an extremely refined and wholesome mood. But if it's developed and cultivated, then it leads to, to wisdom and to, to liberation. Just as, again, hopping back to the uh, many of the other teachings, when the Buddha says, you know, the four foundations of mindfulness, when they are completed, when they are developed and completed, they lead to the seven factors of enlightenment. Uh, that they, that's how they ripen. They ripen and are fulfilled uh, in the, the seven factors of enlightenment. And so that um, uh, when this quality of equanimity or serenity is, is developed, that sense of stillness in the midst of change, um, it starts off at the most coarse level, like it's, a, it's, a, a, uh, it's a, an attitude um, and there's still very much a sense of me here in the midst of the 10,000 things or me practicing vipassana, you know, me experiencing all these different things, hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching, you know, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch is all going on. And there's me at the center. So there's a, there's a quality of stillness or steadiness and an openness of heart, not getting, not getting caught up in the uh, in the, in the the whole array of different things, knowing the vibration and the, the kind of transient, turbulent quality, but the 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 serenity is that you know stillness at the heart of things. So, in a, another of the teachings that I was reflecting on reading today is uh, Sutta number one hundred and thirty-seven in the Majima. Which don't uh, don't be impressed because I looked it up today. <laughs> I wouldn't have been able to. to Quote the number off the top of my head, but it's number one hundred thirty-seven, and it's a, it's a teaching of the, of the Buddha on the six senses. 
And in that, there's this very interesting piece about the different levels of, of upeka, equanimity. And again, there's different ways these are read and interpreted, and I'm sure all kinds of scholars have, uh, and uh, teachers have talked about them in different ways or interpreted them in different ways. But in terms of the practice as, as I've um, used it, it seems to talk about a kind of refining of, of insight, a refining of that sense of uh, you know, the knower and the known and the, the development of wisdom. And uh, as Lumpur um, as Sumedho talks about so, so regularly, that quality of, of you know, consciousness or, or awakened awareness, the, the, the freeing of that awakened awareness from its habits of, of attachment and entanglement. So the first level uh, of, of uh, uh, Upeka in that teaching is called um, uh, equanimity or, or serenity based upon diversity. So it's a sense of me here in the middle of, of this, uh, the, the, the array of experience and there's the, the, the observer knowing all these different, different things. But there's a, a it's an, so it's called an equanimity based on diversity. So it's quite, again, quite personal, quite tangible, quite, uh, quite coarse in its own way. The second level is called equanimity or serenity, uh, upeka based upon unity, and this is uh, that sense of the, that quality of of awareness or knowing or disentanglement being strengthened, and so that then rather than the attention going to the, the details of the, the you know, sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought, memory, imagination, mood, intention, etc., etc., um, it's there's a, a unification of so well, that's you know, loka, the world. <laughs> the, uh, and so that it's, uh, it's in a way, there's just the subject and the object, uh, and that uh, as we practice uh, in the practice of of insight meditation, uh, that's is very much a, a goal or a, a part of that that process, strengthening that quality of, of knowing and, and then letting go, letting go of the of the content of of experience, just to know the the process of, of experiencing. So we use those reflections on anicca, change, the kind of. A fluid, transient, vibratory quality of, uh, of of all experience, and then also reflecting on unsatisfactoriness, uh, dukkha, and not self, uh, as a way of uh, supporting and uh, kind of cultivating uh, that that non that disentanglement, that that kind of non-identification. So that that second level, the the the, the second of these two levels of upeka is. Um, uh, uh, upeka based upon unity. So, and again, this is just how I sort of read it, and it seems to make sense to me. Is there's a the, the subject and the object. The object is loka, the, the field of experience, whether it's the internal world of thoughts and memories and sensations of the body, or it's a external sight, sound, smell, taste, uh, uh, touch, and so on of a so-called external world. That's all uh, unified. Uh, it's just the, you know, the, there's the, the the one who knows and the world, the the subject and the object. And uh, the third level uh, is uh, is uh, called the uh, equanimity or upeka based upon uh, atamayata is the Pali word uh, atamayata. Uh, which literally means not made of that. And uh, I've talked about this a few times, and uh, I feel it's a, 
very useful word, Ajahn Buddhadasa spent the last couple of years of his, of his life, his teaching career, talking mostly about this quality of, of a tamayata. And he said it was the, the ultimate Buddhist concept. And in a way, it represents, a, I would say, as I understand it, a, that most refined quality of, of, of wisdom, that the heart fully awake and aware, uncluttered by, by uh, identification or delusion. So you, it's translated into English, again, in various ways. So sometimes as non-fabrication. Uh, Ajahn Tanisro, I think, ten, translates it as non-fabrication. So in a way, referring to the, the object aspect of it. Uh, Bhikkhu Bodhi translates it as non-identification, referring to the, the subject side of it. Uh, I like to sort of put things together <laughs> myself. and So I like, it's, it's a very clunky phrase, but subjectless, Objectless awareness is an extremely clunky phrase, but it's that where the mind, uh, the heart is fully awake and is not creating a subject and an object, uh, you know, a knower here and a known there, but rather there is just the knowing. It's not, uh, it's not a, a creating an identification, it's not creating a fabricated object or a, or a fabricated knower, but rather there's this knowing. And that that uh, uh, so equanimity based on on atamayata on that uh, non-identification non-fabrication is really where that uh, uh, upeka has reached its fulfillment in in the awakened heart and also uh, another of the lists that yeah you know, uh, again to to mention that again the upeka is that the last on the list of the seven factors of enlightenment so in a way it's like uh, the first one on the list is mindfulness sati but the last one on the list is, is upeka, so that, uh, uh, again, it can be interpreted in different ways, but uh, that quality of upeka as a factor of enlightenment, uh, I feel that in its fulfillment, when it's taken to its, its uh, say, most, uh, say, um, profound and, and uh, it's, most, it's cultivated in, in the most complete uh, and uh, perfect way, then it's uh, that uh, unshakability of the um, uh, of the awakened heart. It's that anenja, the unshakable deliverance of, of the heart. That unshakability uh, is, I would say, the, the perfection of of upeka. And it's, it's very. It's more than just a mood. It's more than just a, a, a an attitude uh, that's like a, a, a an emotional state that arises and passes away, but rather. It's a quality of the awakened heart that is, is freed from all identification, attachment to uh, any, any quality whatsoever. It's a, there's a, a letting go of subject-object and the, the heart is, is awake and, know, uh, and fully knowing and attuned to, to experience without any delusion, any confusion, any, any distortion whatsoever. So the, so when if we look at the, at the the Buddha as the embodiment of the enlightened the enlightened heart the enlightened mind the embodiment of that awakened aware quality, then uh, and I like to use that the, the sort of Buddha as a, as an example, then because that you know speaking in this kind of way is so detachment deta- more detachment even more detachment even more equanimity even more serenity it's like whoa it's really getting sort of it can sound like a sort of a, a, a dissociation or a, a sort of a disconnection or a, an abstraction or sort of pulling out of or pulling away from. And 
and then uh, that having the effect of kind of not caring or being so sort of disconnected or, or not and not uh, sort of um, uh, see uh, fully um, uh, say uh, attuned. But rather, if we look at the life of the Buddha, we see that that, that profound unshakability of the heart, that, that, that perfection of equanimity, that unshakability, uh, it manifested in his life as, you know, he, he loved the world so much, he let go of it totally. And the effect of that was that he was able to be incredibly skillful in helping what, you know, what we think of as the world, the, the, uh, the, the, the realm of living beings, uh, and establishing teachings and principles and practices that ripple down to us. So here we are, 75, 80 people gathered in a building in Hertfordshire two and a half thousand years later, being genuinely and directly benefited by the effects of that <laughs> that uh, equanimity, that that that, uh, that total letting go, that total serenity. So when we talk about serenity or equanimity and that... Um, uh, or, or that non-entanglement, uh, that letting go, it, it's important to see that its result is not uh, a dis, uh, abstraction or dissociation or, or kind of not caring. It's a profound and total caring, but uh, but not uh, a, a total and profound uh, undis, lack of disturbance and an undisturbed, undisturbable, unshakable. I think aninja, I believe, is the Pali the right Pali word for that. And so for, for us, you know, here we are, um, that, that, uh, gathered living in this community uh, you know, and uh, working on our own hearts, our own minds, working uh, on the, these lives uh, and helping each other the best we can. So cultivating these, these wholesome qualities, loving kindness, compassion, uh, sympathetic joy, equanimity, serenity, uh, then... Uh, I feel it's helpful to see that that they uh, that these are, are you know, so important, so beneficial to us that the entry points are always on a sort of personal uh, and practical, tangible level. But they are they're fulfilled if they are cultivated to lead towards uh, that these aspects of wisdom as well. You know, so that. Just as the Buddha, he loved the world so much, he let go of it completely, and thus his life was incredibly effective in helping the world, I would, I would say, uh, and establishing extraordinarily wholesome, beneficial, liberating principles in the world. You know, so too, with, with each other in, in, in our community, in our lives, to, to, uh, uh, we can follow that example, to you know, love each other so much we let go of each other completely. <laughs> You know, if, if if you really love someone, you let go of them completely. You don't create them or you know, carry them around. It doesn't mean you don't care. It doesn't mean you're not involved. That the, we participate in each other's lives, but it's a participation that is unentangled. Uh, it's a uh, uh, a uh, an attunement. So that uh, and it's a mysterious and ironic and strange way that it works. The more fully the heart lets go in a, in a, and doesn't grasp and entangle in a skillful way, then the more effective we are in uh, attuning to each other and to what each moment needs or, and what can be contributed uh, and what's uh, helpful to be, uh, to, be, uh, to be doing, to be offering in each moment. So that uh, 
that uh, uh, that mysterious and wonderful ironic way is that it's mostly by 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 letting go <laughs> leaving uh, uh, not carrying people around in our minds uh, that our love for each other and our, our concern our well wishing for each other is actualized so i offer these thoughts for reflection this evening and, um, I